ladies and gentlemen, all the way from Dallas, Texas, it's the Yankee Cowboy Podcast with your host, Tim Wilkins, where he talks all things pro wrestling and sports. Let's go. Let's go. And gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Yankee Cowboy Podcast. I'm joined again by the co-host of co-hosts. Chris is joining me for another great episode. Today's topic we're going to be talking about is something I think every single person in this country should learn about, including if you have children, you don't have children, you're thinking about making children, or you're just a stooge that doesn't take care of your children. You should know about school boards. And the meetings that go on on a monthly basis that can directly affect the way your kids are being taught the great A's and B's and the not the C's and D's. So I'll, I'll leave it up to Chris here because, Chris, man, you are the – I will say this. If I could be in, you know, the reincarnation of a good politician, my friend, you are definitely the man with a plan. Oh, by the way. This is your kindly reminder to vote early and vote often because next Tuesday, that big old red wave's coming. Make sure you bring up your surfboard for all you liberals out there. Ride that wave and come on down and join the party like the rest of us. It's going to be a good time. Come on November 8th. Uh, also, if we have figured it out by November 10th, then I can understand, you know, if you're crying in the, on the side of the street corner. But, Chris, I appreciate you joining me. But today, I think, man, we need to talk about the importance of school boards and what actually happens at a school board. Because I don't think you parents are terrorists, do you? Well, I, I probably on a couple terrorist watch <laughs> lists, you never know. Our uh, our esteemed attorney general, you know, lab- labeled us all domestic terrorists. So I, I'm waiting for my door to get kicked in eventually one day. I mean, listen, I, I get it for, for by the way, uh, full disclosure of all things here. I think we actually need to talk about how that story of just the hilarity of the stupidity of it started. It was I believe it was in the great state of the common. I'm sorry, it's not a state, it's a commonwealth. Sorry for all you Virginia listeners out there if you actually have anyone. But Virginia had some policies that were being taught in school. Maybe Chris, you can explain it better. You might, you know, yeah. better than I do. Go ahead. Yeah, so basically what was happening was up in Loudoun County, Virginia, which is a, a, a neighboring county to the, to the D.C. area in the northern, northern Virginia area. Essentially, you know, parents were, were pushing back at the, uh, the school boards with some of their radical, whether it be transgender uh, teachings that were happening. And then on top of that, you threw in the, uh, the, mask, uh, the mask police. So there was... There was an uproar that started amongst parents, um, basically fighting back against the uh, the school boards. Uh, these school board members who are elected officials, and they, uh, depending on where you where you live, it's either a two year term or a four year term. But these school board officials who basically thumb their nose at the parents who you know put them into office and also uh, pay their salaries, uh, think that they obviously knew more than others did. So. Basically, in a collusion-type manner, the uh, the NEA and the AFT, who are two of the big school, big teachers' unions, um, who I'm sure many folks have heard about, who are huge uh, donors to the Democrat Party, essentially coordinated with the 
Biden administration and or Biden regime and the uh, and the Department of Justice, where essentially they were writing policy uh, for the for the DOJ. So things like when the schools were closed, but also when it came down to parents speaking out at school boards, a direct violation and basically going after parents' First Amendment rights to speak at school board meetings and putting parents on a de facto terrorist watch list. So um, I actually questioned uh, our uh, superintendent of my kid's school district to see if he was involved in it. And uh, he obviously vehemently denied it, but I don't believe him. Didn't believe him at the time. He's no longer uh, serving as our superintendent. But um, yeah, quite quite crazy moments uh, that we that we saw. Um, but go ahead. I mean, I'll let you finish. But I, I think, you know, I think totality of circumstances here, how it all started, was because of the Department of Education policies nat in the federal level coming down the line of what where teachers allowed to go back to school. And obviously states set their own, you know, when they're reopened and when their lockdown measures were happening. But I'll, I'll let you kind of go into like the, the meetings and stuff here in a bit. But you can't tell me that, you know, a, a liberal state like Virginia, that one issue of education is what basically turned the governorship upside down and allowed Mr. Uh, you know, Len, the new Len governor. Lincoln. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it you know, definitely people were uh, single issue voters in the last election, which, uh, you know, just turned those those northern counties of Virginia, which tend to be heavily blue, obviously, being that they're neighboring to uh, to, to Washington, D.C., but turned them enough that the uh, that, you know, taking the rest of the state, uh, you had a Republican governor and a Republican secretary of state and uh, and Republican attorney general back in Virginia for the first time in well over a decade. So and then also flipping one um, one part of the uh, of the legislature there in, in, in the Commonwealth. So that just shows the value of when you mess with somebody's kids, it's uh, it's no joke for sure. Um, you know, but again, going back to it, I mean, obviously we, we know that these that these uh, the NEA, the AFT, the Department of Education are all heavily, heavily leaning left. Um, and then obviously having the current regime that's in, in Washington, it just gives them this plenary power that they think they have, that they can just control our uh, our education system. And unfortunately, as we've kind of seen through even Republican and Democrat administrations, um, you know, the Department of Education continued to uh, federalize our, our schools and continue to, uh, while, while federal, federalizing our schools, our, our kids continue to fall behind, but this is probably a a topic for another uh, for another podcast, but uh, but that's basically what you know what many groups like uh, Moms for Liberty, which was a group that was started down in Florida and now has chapters, I believe, in over thirty states now. Um, and some of the other kind of parental rights groups are are fighting back against each and every day um, when it comes to our school boards. And now you're starting to see in certain states like Florida, Ron DeSantis actually endorsed uh, candidates for school board. He was really the first of the, the major governors to endorse, uh, directly endorse candidates. And I believe all those candidates swept the, the school boards. They actually swept or actually flipped Miami-Dade County, which, you know, obviously is always lean Democrat, but now has a majority Republican uh, school board in Miami-Dade County, Florida. So that just shows the, the, I guess you could say the over 
the overzealousness of, uh, of Democrats as it related to our school boards and how uh, when you get parents who, you know, may, maybe they're not Republicans, they're not conservatives, but they but they understand the fact of what their kids are doing. It's, uh, it, it, it changes. It can change people's uh, voting habits for sure. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I think seeing Ron DeSantis, who very well could be our next sitting president here in 24 as well, you know, and, and, and the thing is watching him kind of take ownership. And he's one of the unique governors in the country that actually has uh, taken ownership of this uh, issue. But I think overall, I think the news report came out uniquely uh, of the grades uh, of, of students in the country have gone down drastically since then. And yeah, I mean, by doing so, and I, I think I think what you also saw in that same report, though, too, Chris, is that people that went to Catholic schools in parochial schools were also over eight points to nine points higher. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's even crazier to think about. But it's a re- really good thing that for obviously we both went to Catholic high school. But it's really important, I think, you know, not well, to then you also, the well, then you also got a factor in. I mean, I mean, cut you off there. You also yeah. got a factor in, too, as well. I mean, you're you're looking at if students uh, um, you know, like my 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 oldest, she uh, she started school um, last year in 21. So she didn't have a year of learning loss. But you figure there are kids who basically had almost two years of learning loss. And unfortunately, we're not going to be able to make up that time. Um, that's one of the big things that we look at from from a from a education standpoint is the fact of okay, our many kids are two years behind in learning loss. There is issues with depression. There's issues with anxiety. Um, unfortunately, we've seen you know uh, issues of, of suicide. You know, just children who've been so disconnected from reality and and been forced to do this remote learning. I mean, there is unfortunately we may see consequences of what has happened over the last couple of years for decades. And while these schools are not focused on those issues, they're focused on issues that are completely not not what needs to be focused on right now. Yeah, and, and I think and I, I think Chris, I think what we need to get down to is what exactly I mean I think we even me, a, a, a huge right in and educated you know political person, still doesn't exactly know what goes on at a school board meeting. Not to say that the stereotype is that it's like a P- PTA meeting. But, well, you know, and that's where yeah. I, think, I, I think a lot of people think it's a bunch of Karens getting in the room and a bunch of complainers. But, it, you know, I don't which think you'll have, that, Which you'll have at times. Of course, you always do. I, I get that. There's always at least one Karen who's actually really named Karen in the room. Uh, but I think you maybe might want to maybe dwell into it a little bit, but what actually, I mean, I, I'm assuming it happens once a month, right? They're like once a month meetings and they kind of take out the, like, cause not everything is about like critical race theory. Every, every month is not the topic of choice. So they obviously have set topics pre-planned, I'm guessing. Yeah. And they kind of, and they, uh, I'm guessing it's not always hellfire and brimstone debate on some of these issues. Uh, cause it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. I mean, to, to talk about what a and again I've only been to school board meetings in two different districts so I'm sure districts all around the country who listen to us may have a different setup but essentially 
from from our perspective, what what happens at a school board meeting is, you know, you'll start off with kind of awards. So they may recognize a, a janitor, or a bus driver, a teacher, or some type of award uh, that that or a student um, for that particular month. Um, and then from there, we'll go into all different types of facets. It may be they're voting on something like, uh, uh, you know, free or reduced lunch, or um, you know, what what uh, voting on a, on a trip that a a, a, a school may want to do, or construction updates if they're they're building a new school. Um, you know, kind of various different topics that they'll run down. Um, which you know, by 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 either by state law or by the law of I believe it's state law. Um, they are required to disclose all that because of obviously, you know, federal funds being used. Um, and then from there, normally you will have uh, you'll have a public comment section where, uh, where where parents and people in the audience can come and speak for a, uh, an agreed upon amount of time. It could be two minutes. It could be three minutes, depending on how many speakers there are. Um, and then from there, they will go into a, a closed session. Um, after to discuss any type of uh, uh, employment or any type of app, uh, needs that are, you know, obviously from a, a personal standpoint, whether it relates to someone's employment or hiring or something that they do, they'll do in closed session. So, but they are required to have one month, one meeting a month. Everything needs to be voted on, seconded, and then can be uh, can be moved. So, basically, like any type, like it's almost like just like being in a, a small Congress or being in, in, in Senate, you know, they have to, they've got to vote on everything. It can't just be directly uh, just uh, sent there. So typically you have your, you'll have your superintendent, which depending on the school district, uh, you know, the superintendent may be more talkative than others. And then you'll have the, uh, the chairman of the board um, who typically will run the meetings. And then you'll have the said, the said board members um, who are, um, which all, which obviously every every position except the superintendent is an elected position, um, and then also the 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 school the the school district also have their attorney um, have their attorney also present as well for any type of legal matters. So, but again, the school the school board the school board seats are elected positions. The chair the chairman uh, is the, which is appointed is uh, is an elected position, and then the superintendent obviously. Is. Is a uh, is a higher position. You still there? Yep, you still got me. I got you. Okay. So my my thing is, uh, realistically, man, I I never thought, you know. So what exactly? You know, it was it the public meeting, the public time. It was what got the news, kind of the 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 national spotlight. Was these these obviously. I wasn't there for some of this stuff, but you can see on the broadcast these segments of lines of parents just standing in line to talk. And obviously, I'm assuming they get one or two minutes per person, and it goes on for hours. It can, or, yeah. Dep and, it depends. Um, I mean, these these parents are complaining about, or not complaining, but they're giving up their, their opinions about certain things. And then, so, is it, are you guys allowed to like bring up for example school trips you know that kind of thing or is it kind of like hey we're gonna approve or disapprove of this topic so is it more of the the, the board push like not really saying scoping the 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 agenda 
obviously they have to kind of go through a topic list and vote on you, things that are obviously you can bring up any you can bring up any particular topic you want um there's no there's you know, typically when you walk into the meeting they'll have a sign-up sheet there and they'll ask you for your address and and your contact information and then from there at the, when the public comment period is either whether it's at the beginning of the meeting or the end of the meeting they'll they'll just run through each of the individual individual names now obviously their their uh their rules are uh which we're not allowed to speak during the meeting when the meeting is going on we're required to basically just sit there and listen to them uh, our only time to speak is during the public comment period um other other school districts may be different um but then during the public comment period when we are allowed to speak we're told not to directly um mention names of set of said people but obviously people do that sometimes depending on the situation where you can work around a way if you're trying to take a a subtle shot at a at a school board member or uh or a, uh the superintendent or something like that there's a there's a tactful way of doing it um but they do obviously as you've probably seen in certain cases when when parents get up and read especially these really sexually explicit books that should not be anywhere near a uh, a student um they have even cut parents mics which is wrong because obviously if they think that 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 type of material should be in schools and and they're okay with students reading it then uh, they should obviously be okay if it's read in a public forum but we all know that um, in certain cases they don't want the public knowing what is actually going on and i think that's kind of what the unique part about it is i mean and of course everyone kind of saw it on, on national media about what exactly is kind of i would say the public meeting part of it the public comments so in my in my view that would be the time where you uh you still there dude i'm still here okay uh yeah, I don't know what's going on. I had an audio issues today. Uh, but the my thing would that would be the time where if you were gonna pop off and stir a ruckus, that would be the time to pop off and stir a ruckus. But obviously the school board is was is presuming that obviously during the time of the COVID lockdowns, I'm I'm assuming these meetings were going on either not happening at all or via happening Zoom wise, and people weren't paying attention to what the the change in educational uh you know i think you curriculum. i think you saw i think you saw a great awakening um really during the uh lockdowns when kids were at home and parents were at home and they were seeing what their kids were learning and i think it disturbed a lot of people and i think in a way that was kind of the great awakening of, of, of parents um now unfortunately not unfortunately it's probably the best word to use but the challenge is that a lot of parents, especially in suburban suburbia, and I think even in the inner cities too, are not heavily involved in their kids' education. So, the more the more that people show up for these uh, school board meetings and make their voices heard, obviously, the more that you know we can get pushback on those school boards. And the thing that people need to remember, and I want to make very very clear to folks who are listening, just because you live in a red county or even a purple county does not mean that your school board is not far left. I will tell you that there are a lot of places around this country where they are they, they vote heavily Republican, but unfortunately their school boards do not reflect what their voters are. 
So it is, it is extremely important, especially if your elections are nonpartisan, that you know who are the people on your school boards. I think that is, that is becoming increasingly more and more important. And I also think it's important, too, that parents run for the school board. I think when you get these, and I'm going to, it's going to sound just like Washington, when you get these long-in-the-tooth politicians who um, decide that they want to continue to run for the school board, that's when you, uh, that's when you have issues. Because just like Washington, these people get long-in-the-tooth, they get comfortable. And when you get parents who want to get involved in their kids' uh, education, and start putting pressure on them. That's when we see true change in our education system. You bring up valid points, my man. It's one of those things where, you know, I just think that um, it's a unique opportunity, I think, for a lot of parents to kind of see not only what exactly your your, your children are learning on a curriculum standpoint, because obviously that has lacked in the last 10 to 12 years, uh, since we've been out of school uh, and how, unfortunately, society has moved that curriculum. I would say like it's a moving goalpost. And if it's not a certain thing, it's something else. If it's once we get to that point, it's not something else. The history of education in this country has drastically changed as well. And the unique part about this is I live in a state that. I will say it used to be ranked one of the lowest in the nation when it comes to education. Uh, I'm not exactly sure now where it stands uh, at this point in juncture, but Texas back in the early 2000s when we were in school was in one of the lowest in the country. I think it was ranked in the mid thirties for a lot of it um, when we were in high school. And that was always the national standard that a lot of liberals used to go against Bush when they did the No Child Left Behind Act. And it was unique because, you know, I, I get it. I do. Uh, we don't want to leave kids behind. But at the same time, I know we're talking about school boards here, but in totality of education, I I've spoke strongly against the use of tenure. Against it. I, I don't like teacher tenure. I'm sorry. I, I know I think we both know teachers that are really, really strong. But at the same time, I'm sorry, you should not be protected because you've been sitting there for 15 years having the, and these kids are still having the same substandard education. Their, rate, their grades are obviously going to come back to life, I would hope, here in due time, I would hope. But that should give some incentivizing to educators and obviously, then the educators will come back and say, well, why don't you up our pay? We might do better. Well, unfortunately, here's the problem we're seeing in our education. I'm in a 10 years more of a college type thing. But the challenge that we're seeing, especially in the public school system, is you know, I know there's always, and even here, there's always winding about funding. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough this. We don't have enough that. The problem is our education systems have gotten so heavily subsidized by the federal government. Um, that they can't even live off the, the tax base. We, we are, when you sit in a meeting, typically you'll hear them talk about grants and different types of things. And my big concern that no one ever brings up is like, what is the, everything has a, everything has a, um, you know, a binding to it. Like they're not just giving away money for free within understanding. 
So my, my biggest thing that I, that I see is, first of all, when we get these large federally subsidized grants, what's actually, where, you know, what, what are we having to give up, excuse me, in return? Are, are those not disclosed? Chris, in the in in the meeting, are they are the terms? Because obviously the grants, just like federal grants, when they give them to law enforcement for whatever said program that they're working on, between surveillance or whatever, whatever they're working on, they usually have set terms for their grants. They're not discussing those at all in the meeting. Like, hey, we're getting I mean, two hundred I mean, million dollar grant for this, this, and this, and it it kind of really depends. I mean, obviously you can do a lot more. You know, I. Unfortunately, like 24 hours in the day, and sometimes there's a lot of material you have to read to figure out where that grant money's coming from, and it, it 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 does take up a lot of time. I know I know several parents who probably spend three, four, five hours a night reading online about where these these grants are coming from. But I mean, everything is is subsidized. You figure all these grants, you know, from the and also you figure the uh, the, the meal the meals and the you know the USDA. I mean, all this is is subsidized um, by the federal government. You know, these schools cannot, they, they could, but these schools cannot live off the, the tax base of, of the, the people of these particular counties. So that that's my concern is that as our education system, our, our public education system, which is already heavily federalized, continues to get more and more federalized, we continue to take the community out of our, out of our education system. And I think that's becoming increasingly more and more of a challenge is that our, our kids are not, um, are definitely not getting, you know, are getting more of a standardized education system from the federal government. I'm, I'm of the opinion in some ways, I think the Department of Education should be abolished because I think it provides no, it provides no, um, it really provides no significant uh, Look for a word here. So if I could do that, but really, the Department of Education, in so many ways, does not provide any real value to our students, aside from just being a another another piece of the bureaucracy. Well, you're right. I mean, I I would say this, and maybe you can tell me, is what exactly uh, in the last I would say short period of time since you started going to school boards regularly, has there been uh, serious change? Uh, meaningful change is the best way of saying it to affects not only your your kid your children but the children across both districts and and maybe you can kind of since going to these school board meetings and kind of going from there you know i mean it's hard it's hard to say if there's been really meaningful change i think i think a lot of it just depends on the makeup of your school board you know if your school board is is centered or left-leaning then they, I mean it. It really just kind of depends on on how, what your school board members are like. I mean, several of our school board members still probably if they could put masks on kids, would still put masks on kids. That's just the nature of the way some of these school board members are. Um, I mean, it's hard to say if you've really seen any significant change. I think I think the next fight that we're probably going to see from a nationwide standpoint is going to be if the uh, if the CDC adds the coronavirus vaccines, the list of vaccines that kids need to get for school. I think that'll be the next, uh, I think that'll be the next fight that's, that's probably coming to the schools. So I, I would certainly tell people now, sooner rather than later, um, especially if you have, uh, if you have school board elections coming up is to get, 
your school board candidates on the record of saying, will they vote uh, first year, also your superintendent, but also your school board members, where will they vote if it comes to uh, the fact of your state, um, if that vaccine would be, um, if that vaccine would be, would have, would be added to the list and would they approve that? So that, that'll be, the, I think that's the next fight that'll be coming up here over the next few months, depending on, on what, uh, what happens with the, with the CDC. Yeah, and I agree with you, man. It's uh, that's the big fight because I, I think just recently, and I, I would say within the last month or so, they've they've come out and try to keep pushing that children vaccination process. And I understand that there might have been a spike, you know, amongst school age kids. But here's the thing about kids, everybody, and I'll say it nicely to everybody to understand: they bounce back a hell of a lot faster than we will ever dream of doing. And that's how kids are. They have immune systems that are growing, uh, that are getting stronger and stronger by the day. And they can overcome. Yes, they do sneeze. Yes, they do spread germs. But if anything is ever telling about the coronavirus or the China virus, for all you people keeping track at home, is that it's come from China. it came from China. I'm sorry. Not trying to be xenophobic, homophobic, whatever you want to call me, phobic. This reality sets in here. It's where it came from. That's the reality. But seriously, kids were getting the virus. Obviously, they might have brought it home. But I hate to say this to everybody. I really do. It barely happened. It barely did. It didn't, you didn't bring it home to grandma and grandpa and spread it and start killing grandma and grandpa because you had coronavirus. That's just reality. Kids that are immune compromised... I, listen, I'll say the Sean Hannity line. Consult your doctor. Listen to your doctor. That's all I'm going to say about it. I'm going to pull the Sean Hannity line about that. But I will say this, that it's opening, it's eye-inspiring to me how really the smallest of issues, like what 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 books are on the summer reading list, have gotten so point to the fact of, seriously, got to the point of, of cussing matches at school board meetings because, listen, did it really matter – Back when we were in school, that like Huckleberry Finn was on the, the the reading list. No, because we didn't think about everything in a freaking prism of race. I'm sorry, we never and did. And not just and not just race. I mean, you figure. I mean, there's an agenda that's being pushed. This woke agenda that's being pushed in our schools. This transgender ideology. So many of these things that are being pushed in our schools and, right and, now. And, and listen, I, I don't, I don't, kids. I don't hate, I don't hate on Chris. I don't hate on. That listen, I, I am not a psychologist. I don't understand all things. But let me just tell you something. Last time I checked, and the last time you checked, that stuff is between the parents and their children. That's the fundamentals here, ladies and gentlemen. Sexuality, other than like what we had to go through because of biology, wasn't meant to be taught in school. Like, I don't need to play-by-play on what to do with a woman. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, that was between, you know, parents. Same thing with this, this transgender ideology stuff being taught. And I, I'm sorry. I don't agree with any of that. I think children, especially, I don't believe any of that pushing of, uh, of hormone blockers. And this is probably not the topic, uh, the, the venue for that, because this venue topic was about school board meetings. But obviously... School boards were passing 
curriculums that allowed this to happen. And unfortunately, children were allowed to hear this curriculum in their classrooms. And then they came home and asked mommy and daddy about all the terms that they just heard in the classroom. Which, by the way, what the heck was that all about? Chris, I don't know about you, but I hope your your young children haven't started that nonsense yet. Well, I think we're still young enough, but unfortunately, I, I, I do believe that. And again, I'm not just saying, and, you know, we look at it strictly from a public school standpoint. There's there's a lot of issues even in the private schools, whether it be the charter schools or even in some of your so-called uh, Catholic schools. There's there's issues with some of this, this type of stuff that's been pushed in, in these schools over the last few years. I mean, you you. What I'm, what I'm asking parents, I think what we want to get across to people in this in this podcast is that you cannot you cannot rest on your laurels as a parent. You cannot expect the, the days of just sending your kid off to school for six hours and hoping that they and and then they come back and they've learned so much about our world. And in some cases, yes, I'm not saying that it's always the case that they're going to come back corrupted, but. The fact of the matter is we just live in a society that unfortunately we have parents parents have to be involved in their kids education. We don't we don't live in a time where um, you can you can always have full trust in our in our education system. And I, but I also think there's a way there's ways I think and I and I and I'll admit sometimes I can get a little hyperbolic with with uh, with the school board or with the with the um, Sometimes with the educators or the principals, I think we we need to have points and times where um, there's there's times where you have to hold people accountable. But I think there are times where you know you do have to kind of take your foot off the gas a little bit and give people some some credit and some attaboys that they are doing the right thing. I think that it kind of does go both ways. You can't always be on the on the on the chip, but then when things start going right, you can't be willing to at least give some bit of, of credit and kudos. What I'm really conveying to parents is you have to be involved in your kids' education. I know school board meetings are not fun to attend. Sitting there for hours and hours listening to self-grandizing people who all have, you know, doctorates and they flaunt they flaunt it and make sure they always use each other's uh, names when they're called. I know it is not it's not fun. They look at in a lot of ways they look down on you. These these people are politicians. And that's what people need to realize. They are politicians. They don't they don't. What I'm saying is that a lot of them do not care about the students. They don't care about the parents. It's about power. It's just like it's literally just like the people who are sitting in Washington D.C. in Congress or sitting in Washington D.C. in the Senate. It's 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 so many of the ways you're you're really looked at as the as the irredeemable deplorables, the parents who you know who send their kids off to school to be educated by these people who think that they know everything. That's the fight that we're fighting. And in a lot of ways, folks, and I'll use a quote from one of my favorite commentators, Dan Bongino, this fight is coming to your door. You may not think it's at your door, but before you know it, it's knocking at your door. I can't agree more, Chris. I, I, I think this is a good, this is probably one of the few topics that I think both of us, I learn more about it. Than, and obviously you're, you're the, uh, so the expert when it comes to the uh, school board that I am. Uh, but I think it's a good learning tool for everyone involved that, yes, is it unfortunately sometimes boring? Maybe. But at the same time, I think it's a useful tool to also see what's going on in your community as a whole. 
uh, not just from the educational standpoint, but also it allows you to introduce yourself as well to people of your community. And when you when you own when you take ownership of said community, you make your community a better place. So I'll leave it with that. Uh, Chris, I appreciate you joining me for this episode. Try to help explain to the masses what exactly happens at a boring, uh, great, awesome school board meeting. And, it's your uh, tax dollars. Make yeah. sure you make sure they're using it wisely. It's your tax dollars. And I also want to remind everyone to make sure you vote early and you vote many often times for the right party. And hopefully you bring out your surfboards and you get on that red wave. And in about two years, you get on board that Trump train one more time. Of course, it's the Yankee Cowboys signing off for another fun-filled episode of the podcast. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Yankee Cowboy Podcast. Feel free to join us on social media to continue these great conversations and more.